Welcome to the Hot Crime Cold Coffee podcast with Pauline and Angie. Each week we bring you new episodes on Wednesdays and Fridays. Each episode includes our favorite coffee that we're drinking, a missing person spotlight, and whatever case we're currently working on. We also have bonus episodes Monday through Friday, daily cup of true crime in 15 minutes or less, where we share trivia, true crime updates and headlines, and fun facts. So join us. Please be sure to follow us on social media for bonus material. Listener discretion is advised due to sensitive and sometimes violent content. Good evening. Today is our 10th episode, part nine of the Vallo Daybell case. Uh, we'll start as usual with our featured coffee, missing persons, updates, and headlines, and then get to the rest of the episode. In the last episode, we ended with Lori's brother, Alex, killing her husband, Charles. And for this episode, we'll explore the aftermath of his death and hopefully get to Lori's move to Idaho. And as always, we are going to try and keep this episode under an hour. Uh, tonight, yeah. go. Last yeah. week's episode was super crazy. Be- or not last week's episode, last episode that was on Wednesday. Because while we were recording, we got the notification that they had found that missing family of four from California, that they had found them deceased. Ugh. And I'll add a little blurby in our updates for tonight. But it it just threw both of us for a loop. You yeah, know, that was you know, not good. No, it wasn't. And we usually have time to kind of process because let's face it, true crime can be kind of hard. And it just, it was just a little too much for that, for that night. So it happens, especially, you know, a whole family, including like a little baby and kids are kind of the hardest. It's one of the reasons why we chose the Vallow Daybell gate case to start with because I can't even imagine something like that happening to my babies. Like, not at all. No, no, absolutely not. Or being the person that does that to your babies. Yeah, pretty, pretty horrific. I mean, I've seen things. I've seen horrible things. But to make that decision to kill a child that's unforgivable and that person doesn't even deserve the death penalty they deserve to be put in a deep dark hole the rest of their lives they don't need that they don't deserve that reprieve the families don't need it all drawn out for years and years and years and years of appeals just throw them in a dark hole forever there's a special place in hell for them that's for sure yeah what coffee do you have tonight, Ange? Our coffee tonight is caribou coffee. Now, I cannot even begin to explain how excited I was to be actually find this in the grocery store here. Uh, so caribou coffee uh, used to be just kind of like a Midwestern thing. Um, my little sister lives in Minnesota, and I would actually have her send me bags of caribou coffee because it's so good. It was one of those things where she was always telling me how amazing it was. And I was like, there's no way it's going to live up to the hype. Right. Um, so when I went and visited her, uh, we stopped and got a coffee from there. Let me tell you, it is every bit 
as amazing as she said it was. And it doesn't even matter what flavor you get. All of them are good. It is just good, clean, delicious coffee. Um, they're, uh, so they just started selling it uh, in the stores here. And there's actually a coffee shop. I don't even know if you know about this, Pauline. Um, I probably don't. There's a coffee shop in uh, Steve I um, that um, they make strictly just caribou coffee. It's a cup of joy. The newer one. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, okay. Like, yeah. Right across. Yeah, from the I haven't, right there. I haven't been there, but I will have to look it up. Oh, I good. actually didn't know about caribou coffee until you told me, like you called me and you're like, I found it. I found it. I'm like, what did you find? I found caribou coffee. It's on the top shelf in Albertsons. I was like, yeah. okay. Yeah. She totally thought it was crazy. <laughs> Well, you're fun. a little bit crazy. I'm a lot crazy, but you know what? It's okay. Cause I'm the fun crazy. <laughs> you are fun crazy. I mean, I am a delight and a joy to be around. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you are, you are Angelica. You are You're so funny. <laughs> oh my goodness. I know I have problems. Sometimes. I, mean, I don't know today <laughs> anyway don't worry about <laughs> so it the don't reason <laughs> so the reason we're late is because last night Angie threw out her back Ugh. and so she calls me and she's like I can't record right now and I'm like well why not and she's like because I'm on the floor I'm like what are you doing on the floor and she's like, I can't move. I'm stuck. Just laying there offered, staring at my ceiling. I offered to go to your house to help you get up, but I'm so glad you said no, because I didn't want to drive the 20 <laughs> minutes on the back roads. Like, <laughs> see how you are. Well, <laughs> you're like, did you, you want, want me to hit a deer? <laughs> did you want me to hit a deer on the way to save you? I mean. I mean, kind of. <laughs> oh gosh! No, the thing that sucked about it too, it was like right after everybody left my house. So it was me and like two little boys. <laughs> my older daughters left, and my husband had left. They all went to a volleyball game, <laughs> and my dumbass was like, "Oh, I'll just stretch out my back. It'll be fine." Yeah, no, I pushed it out all the way, and then just laid there. Called Pauline. I'm, all, I'm bored. Entertain me. <laughs> so I did for like an hour and a half because Angie couldn't get to the computer. Nope. I listened to you clean your house. It was awesome. It's a real hey, joy. Better. At least you didn't have to hear the crazy chickens again. That's true. It was still better than just laying there staring at the ceiling like I was doing before that. Well, that's good. Did the kids feed themselves? Uh, yes, they did. Well, cereal. they started to, and then, you know, they, they kind of scare me sometimes. So yeah, that was when I texted you and told you I was actually able to get off of the floor. I, like, oh, I'm like, I'm not kidding you. I fully, <laughs> I wish you could have seen this. <laughs> like, oh, I, I, can I totally literally imagine was it. like walking like a zombie, like just hunched over and like trying not like doing that, like old person shuffle, trying not to like take too big a step. So I didn't like, <laughs> yeah, it was bad. But they well, kept looking at, at me and they're like, 
Are you okay? All I'm the fine. boys. Yeah. <laughs> that was cute. Aw, they love you so much. You know, they're good boys. They're so cute. They're cute. And they they're were very, very good cute. last night. They were very good last night. Oh, good. That's good. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because uh, the oldest little boy's been the one who's gone crazy every Tuesday night. Poor oh, baby. I know. I think they they must be doing something at school. So, yeah, like they must have like a more like intense day or something that day. Because he's yeah. Because usually stimulated when he gets home. Yeah, and usually the only time that that happens is you know is you know if there's something that's different from his routine or mm-hmm. or whatever but yeah he's it's, yeah he's been crazy well hopefully you get it figured out yeah all right missing person spotlight so we're going through the alphabet we are at connecticut no we're at delaware we're delaware Delaware. We did Connecticut last week. All right. So this missing person does not have a name. It's Jane Doe, 1967. Still unidentified. She was found on March 18th, 1967 near Bear, Newcastle County in Delaware. Her estimated age is 16 to 25. She's female, white, brown hair, brown eyes. She's estimated to be 5'2", and her estimated weight is 110 to 115 pounds. On March 18th, 1967, this unidentified white female's body was found on the shoulder of Porter Road, a rural area in Bear, Newcastle County, Delaware. This location is just a few miles away from Interstate 95 and U.S. Highway 40. She was approximately 16 to 25 years old with a long, curly, dark brown hair and brown eyes. She was petite in stature. With reasonable certainty, her bra size is estimated to be 34 double D. Her ears were pierced, but did not appear she had worn earrings in quite a while. She had Weird a vaccination. Detail. Yeah. That is the, And here's the, one. The bra size. That's a weird detail. Well, you know what? I think when it comes to Jane and John Doe's, like any little thing can trigger something. Oh, yeah, that's fair. And that's for someone, you know, 34 double D, that's pretty big, especially for someone who's tiny. We're not going to talk about, we had this conversation. We're not going there. (laughs) No, we're not because I'm barely a C and well, yeah. And she had a vaccination scar on the front of her left thigh. No other scars or distinguished marks were observed. So I don't know, I guess it really depends on your age, but nowadays most people don't get vaccination scars I've seen them quite a lot especially when I lived in Israel a lot of the um, Ethiopian Jews and a lot of those of Middle Eastern descent that had immigrated to Israel they have the vaccination scars 
and it's like this big old bump it's probably the size of like at least a, you know the flat head of a push pin that's how and it's extremely raised so that's what a vaccination scar looks like well then you also have the um the previous generation so like my mom's generation they all have vaccination scars and it's like I think it's on their arms and they're all mm -hmm. probably about the size of like a dime maybe a nickel yep. um, but they're not raised it's like it's almost like a an indentation kind of like and a then like a little looking. yeah and then like a little ridge around it mm -hmm. so there's those too I think it just depends on what vaccine it was and um, how you got the inoculation. But nowadays, people don't get them. So I think that most people our age probably are unaware of them. No, that's true. I don't know of anyone my age here in the U.S. that has a vac vaccination scar. Yeah, I, I don't I don't think I do either. So that's what, it, so that's what they look like. It's uh, it can be raised. It's probably the size of like your pinky nail. It looks like a cigarette burn. It can either be raised or it can be um, with a ridge around it. I've seen them both ways. And I think a lot of it also has to do with um, how your body reacts to scarring too. That could be a part of it. Yeah, for sure. So her teeth contained several restorations and were in very good repair, suggesting that she had seen a dentist within a year prior to her death. Recent ancestry testing suggests she may be of European, Italian, Greek, or Jewish descent. Her legs were stuffed inside a large cloth commercial laundry bag, which was determined to be from a laundry and dry cleaning company located in Trenton, New Jersey. She was found wearing only a pair of blue bikini panties and a red ribbon, which tied her hair back. She was transported in a vehicle from an unknown location, quite possibly from another state, and tragically dumped along the side of the road. It is estimated that she died around March 17th or 18th, 1967, within 24 hours of being found. I found a little bit more information and investigators initially thought she had died as a result of an abortion, which was illegal at the time. But after a more detailed examination, they determined that she and her unborn child died of sepsis. So it's unknown if it was foul play or not. Um, she was pregnant at the time. So it could have been that maybe she died and they didn't know what to do with her body. So they dumped it, you know, people yeah. she was running away from home because she was pregnant. Something horrible happened medically and whoever she was with, like maybe she was hitchhiking and she died in someone's car. So, but there doesn't seem to be any foul play in again she may have died of sepsis, but she was pregnant at the time of her disappearance. If you have any information regarding this case, you can contact the Delaware State Police at 302-741-2728 
or the Delaware State Medical Examiner's Office at 302-577-3420. All right, we have a lot to get to because last week we kind of got, I don't know, derailed after finding out about that family. So I'm gonna make the headlines as quick as possible. Really briefly, they did find that family of four all deceased. They haven't released how they died, but they believe that the mom, the father and the uncle were killed and the baby was left alive to the elements. Oh, yeah. Um, a agriculture worker found them in a field. They were all close together. And law enforcement also believes that they were already dead before the, they found the truck that was on fire. So um, they have made two arrests as far as I know. The first suspect was Jesus. Oh my gosh. See, there I go again, <laughs> fully missing it. Uh, no, I left, I left my, my uh, notebook at work. I want to say Jesus Alvarado, but I don't want to be wrong. Salgado, ha, huh? got half of it, right? <laughs> Jesus Manuel Salgado. They did arrest him. He is talking to law enforcement. Uh, yesterday, they had initially released that they thought it had to do with money and that they thought he had an accomplice, but they weren't sure yet. And then today they released it. It, it, was, it, was, um, it was theft and they have charged, they've charged him with four, at least four counts of murder and four counts of kidnapping. They also arrested his brother who right now they're just charging with being an accomplice, his brother, Alberto Salgado. So Jesus had worked for the family about a year ago. They had a falling out and it did not end well for whatever reason and that may have been the trigger to whatever caused the kidnapping on Monday and ultimately their deaths. But as Angie and I said earlier, there is a special place for people like this in hell. Like, yeah, a very why? special place. And they're seeking the death penalty. <laughs> and you already know my opinion on the death penalty. Like why draw it out for 20, 30 years and appeals, throw them in a hole forever. Nope. Nope. Just throw them in a deep, dark hole. I feel like, you know, if you, if you commit crimes against kids, like you shouldn't be able to appeal. <laughs> like just, but, uh, no. We do live in a country where everyone deserves a fair trial, where. Which I don't disagree, but at the same time, it's like, if you, if if the if it is insurmountable evidence and there is zero 
possibility that you didn't commit it. Like you don't have the ability to appeal. You don't get to live in prison your entire life unless it's like, you know, in solitary confinement or just in a deep, dark hole somewhere. Like the amount of money that they waste Mm -hmm. on is just, uh, yeah. Nope. I absolutely agree with you. And it is what it is, though. That's what our country is built upon. And and not even that, like with the amount of um, unlawful convictions. Yeah, especially, you know, all of those unlawful convictions that are being overturned because DNA science has just gotten better. You know, so there's that too. And everyone deserves the right to a trial and for their peers to deem them guilty or not. I, you know, even though, especially with the Valo Daybell case, they may look as guilty as sin, but they still deserve a trial. Should it continue to be drawn out like it has? Heck no. However... There's a lot of factors that come into play why it's taking so long. So I guess I'll just skip to that. So there have been a lot of motions this week, and we had talked about them that are going in front of the judge next week on the 13th. Basically, uh, Chad's lawyer, it's the motion to sever. It is the motion to postpone It was to allow cameras in the courtroom and street clothes for Chad, street clothes for Chad. And there was also the grand jury transcript. So some of those have already been answered. Um, And the prosecutors have filed like their counter motions. So Chad wearing street clothes, basically the prosecutors are saying, no, we disagree with it. He can wear an orange jumpsuit because there's no cameras in the courtroom. That's number one. Number two, the motion to sever, they're fighting that too. And the prosecutors are basically saying, hey, we heard this last year. It's the same exact argument. Um, We want to say no. The third one was to postpone. And they're fighting that one as well. And then the fourth one for the cameras, they're fighting that as well. But huge developments in the last couple of days. So Lori's, we meant day, every day, every day this week, every day. And you go back and you look, and when you think that you're prepared, you go back and look and you're not. So Mm. Wednesday night after we recorded, and we decided to be done with it because we were just really sad. Of course, you know, I get an alert and there's a motion, not a motion. There's a request to transport for Lori. And then there's some type of emergency hearing scheduled. And the day before her lawyers had, or I'm not sure if it was the day before or that day, but her lawyers had requested to 
put a hold on the trial, like a continuance, place a hold and to stop the timelines, like that the timelines weren't going to be relevant, that to put a pause on those as well, because in the court system, there's certain things that you have to file within a certain number of time. The best example is they have 60 days from an indictment to say if they're going to do the death penalty or not. And they did that for both Lori and Chad. Lori's was after her case was unpaused and she was deemed competent. Well, so I get these alerts right after Angie and I record. And my first thought is her lawyers had already mentioned something earlier that about mental health and they had requested a continuance. My first thought was, here we go again. There was an yep. emergency hearing that was close to the public. It is sealed, which if it has to do with mental health, absolutely 100% seal it. It's a medical record and yep. people yep. do have, people even like her with all of the allegations, she yep. still has still be the a right for violation. her. Yep. And she still has the right for her medical care to not be known to the entire world whether we like it or not. And um, I lost my train of thought there. Oh, okay. So <laughs> I know, oh my goodness. It's just a lot of in information. It's like overload because it's been every single like day this week and like not one update per day, like three or four. Yep. <clears throat> So what happened yesterday was they had this special whatever, this uh, sealed, the sealed hearing, and basically the January trial has been vacated. Currently, the case is on hold because Lori hasn't been deemed not competent. Her competency is questionable. So they have 30 days, according to Idaho law, is my understanding, they have 30 days to prove if she is or is not competent. And then if she isn't, they have, I can't remember if it was 60 days or 90 days to bring her back to competency. If not, they're going to, just like it was before, um, they reevaluate it every couple of months because Idaho does not have an insanity plea. They do have incompetency and what incompetency means is that if you are not able to understand the charges against you or participate in your defense, you can be deemed incompetent. Your case is put on hold and they'll continue to reevaluate your competency every, I think it's, I want to say it's 30 or 60 to 90 days and then it's every 90 days to six months after that. I'll have to look into that a little bit more. But even if it takes her 30, 40 years to be deemed competent, she won't be released from the legal system. See, mother so, is definitely crazy. Like, there is no doubt about it. Like, that woman, is she's not, not mentally sane. ill. Hold on. But, I don't think she's mentally ill. She's crazy. Absolutely crazy. She's, yeah, she's and, crazy, but she's but she's also competent. Like she knows what she's doing. Like this is a game. 
Like there's, there's, there's no way that she doesn't understand the charges. There's no way that she doesn't understand what's happening. Mm -hmm. She's, this is, (laughs) this right here is a completely a stall tactic because they're not getting their way. And they're, she isn't getting her way. Manipulating the system. Chad, Chad seems to be, or John Pryor seems to be wanting to move forward not as fast as everyone would want it to so but with Lori's trial again I trying to stay objective it's extremely hard because this is a pretty these are pretty pretty horrific killings um but basically what you're saying is exactly what Kay and Larry Woodcock's reaction was was that she's playing the system. It's all pretend. She's oh, absolutely their, competent. Do you have their statement that they released? Because that was amazing. It was really good. Uh, let me check. And that, everything that they said, wholeheartedly, 100% agree with. Yes, me too. Oh, let me pull that up. But because we don't, and again, she hasn't been deemed incompetent to stand trial. It's they're evaluating her competency. She's not incompetent. And the other thing I wanted to mention about Chad's case. So I don't know if anybody remembers, but last year he'd requested a transcript of the grand jury. And then he asked for it again. What people don't understand, it's a completely different grand jury proceeding. So there was another one in December. These things are absolutely secret. That's how our legal system is set up. And what happens is a group of citizens in a very top secret situation, um, they listen to witnesses, they look at evidence, and then they determine if charges should be filed. The response, and this is very interesting, the prosecutor's response to Pryor's new request of a transcript was, yeah, you don't need it. It was not relevant to your case. It wasn't relevant to Chad. And you don't need it because it had nothing to do with Chad. So when they have a grand, when they have the grand. It's not uh, about you, gosh. All right. Uh, when they have the grand jury proceedings, it's basically to decide if they're going to bring legal action. What we can understand from this response from the prosecutors is that a different grand jury convened with the objective to bring charges, new charges against someone. It wasn't Chad. We haven't seen any new charges brought up against Lori so and Chad wasn't involved so maybe these charges are for somebody else involved in this case because it it does involve the murder of uh Tylee Tammy and JJ but it has nothing to do with Chad and nothing was brought against Lori so maybe well there's there's definitely a couple other people that who could who could but it comes down to evidence and it comes down to reasonable doubt and we do not want to make allegations and I've seen 
some crap in the last couple of weeks, like conspiracy theories, like hardcore. There's a group on Facebook that some of the stuff that they put up on there. Oh man, they're grasping. Do so your research. Hard. Everybody do your research, do your research, do it extremely well and only listen to sources yes. that actually look up their shit and are not objective because there's some crazy stuff out there and I'm not going to talk about it because it's hearsay and I believe 99.9 of nine of it is just made up crap and that's it <laughs> that's kind of harsh <laughs> that's all, right. all I have to say about I this. did pull that up I did pull that up their statement um in their statement Oh, wait, this is the wrong one. Oh, you suck. No, this was, no, no, no. <sighs> this was the one. Um, this is just a part of it. But basically, Kay said, because it, it, it uh, let's see, this brings up the one from a couple weeks ago. And then yesterday, but um, I'll just read it verbatim. It seems the only ones getting their way are Chad and Lori. JJ, Tylee, and Tammy didn't have a choice. Everyone who loved them didn't have a choice. We can't even have their bodies for memorial service. Where's the justice? It surely is not here. All I want to do is bury the kids. It's been three years. JJ's in a vault right here in town. He's in a freezer. Come on, judge. Let us have him so we can bury him. Just give us the children. Let us do what is right. Kay is saying that the court is wasting time trying to determine Lori's competency. And she just wants the case to go to trial. Lori, Lori's doing what she does best, playing games and manipulating the situation to suit her. Her wants, her needs. It is a stall tactic. I'm angry and disappointed beyond belief. And that, that was basically the statement and yeah, this has been going on for way too long, but unfortunately we have laws and it, because this case is a capital punishment case and they're both facing the death penalty, they have to cross their T's and dot their I's at least five times. There has to be zero grounds for appeal. And so that's kind of like, that's one of the reasons why John Pryor is filing all of these motions and all of that stuff. He's preparing for the bigger trial. And part of it is he's setting himself up for possible appeals in the future. So keep that in mind. Everything is tactical. Everything moving forward, every motion, every piece of paper, every court hearing, it's all about strategy and tactics. All right, yeah. I'm moving forward off of them because it just irritates me that the trial's been postponed. Who knows what next week is? Angie, I'm totally getting you a t-shirt that says, welcome to the shit show. So that when you and I eventually go to Boise, 
we will. Angie and I are going to try to uh, be in court whenever it happens. Um, and I'm totally is making this, you a shirt. Is this so I don't? Is this so I don't bring a sign and put it on the courtroom yes. door that says that? <laughs> Angie threatened yesterday <laughs> to put up a sign, like to hang it on the door of Judge Boyce's uh, courtroom. <laughs> I just asked I told if her you thought they would frown upon that. <laughs> absolutely a hundred percent. Come on, like, you know somebody would find it funny and like one of the guards sure. would like try and leave it as as long as humanly possible before he got in trouble. Okay. Probably, but you know, we we oh. yes. That reminds what? me. Hurry. So I sent you something. What you you cannot open it. You cannot open it until we're recording. Like you have to wait until we're recording and then you can open it. So you'll have it next Friday. We'll be there you next Friday. Presents? Yay. I, I love presents. You can't open it. You have to wait. Well, I'll have to tell my husband not to open it and to tell the kids not to open it because they open up everybody's mail. <gasps> Sinners. I know. I don't even like... I don't even know when I get packages anymore unless I, my husband was like, oh yeah, I opened your package. That's how I know. I don't even send stuff to my anymore. I just send it to my work. <laughs> then I know <laughs> that I'm getting a package and it's my package. So rude. My, yeah. My sister-in-law's parents send the kids' birthday presents to my office. Oh, I got smart. special permission. Cause I was like, this cannot happen anymore. You're like, my family's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. That's ridiculous. It is. All right. Um, and then the next update was that for the Kristen Smart trial, the state versus Flores and Flores, the jury has been deliberating since Wednesday. They're still deliberating. Nobody knows how long it's going to take. There's so much evidence. There was so much testimonial and a lot of forensics and testimony. And I, the trial went on, and on 11 weeks, and on. 11 weeks, 11 weeks, 11 weeks. That's a long time. 11 weeks. Yes. Lori and Chad's is estimated to be about 10 to 12 weeks. So And the George Wagner case is already like in week three or four. I've lost track of that one. Trying to get, stay on top of the Vallo Daybell one. All right. Try. Last, try being the try. operative word. Oh my gosh. I know. And we're not the only ones who podcast about this case. There are other people like Pretty Lies and Alibis, Hidden True Crime. On Twitter, you have uh, Big E, who's also known as Chasing Paper. Really good at getting court documents, by the way. You've got East Idaho News that's following this story. Justin Lum out of Arizona. And it's one thing after another. And that's not the only thing that everybody does. So trying to stay on top of it is kind of ridiculous. Job. Yes, it is. And we have full-time stuff besides waiting for somebody to file something for Lori or Chad. 
every day, every day this week, there's been something new. All right. So last week or last week, last episode, it was two days ago. Last two days ago. It was two days ago. I know it's been a crazy week. (laughs) It's like, I, I, after all the stuff that we've covered this week and all of the updates and then that missing family and all of that, like, I feel like this week has been like twice as long and it was so bad that my eyes started twitching at work today. And I was like, all right, time to go home. That's how you heard some of the stories you've told me about work. I'm surprised your eye doesn't twitch more often. (laughs) Well, it twitched today. So it got pretty twitchy. It twitched yesterday too. Cause we were so busy. It was like pre pandemic busy hmm. yesterday, which is, it hasn't been like that since I think my last busy, busy day like that with people in our lobby was two months ago. And before that it was, you know, in February of 2020. Wow. All right. So Wednesday's episode, we ended up with Alex had, yes, Alex had murdered Charles. There's a lot of evidence that several people were involved besides Alex and Lori, but there was enough evidence to determine it was foul play and not self-defense. We're talking text messages, phone calls, go to analytics. She has it all lined out. That's Annie Cushing's site. She's Tylee Ryan's aunt. And she's done a fantastic job of putting all of the evidence in the timeline so you know exactly what's happening. We're not going to reinvent the wheel. So we're not really getting into the messages or anything like that. Um, see, I'm taking a page out of your book. I'm umming today. <laughs> It's because I inspire you, isn't it? <laughs> right? So good inspiration you need. In the morning, Charles died, and in the afternoon, they had a pool party. The next day, Lori texted her stepsons in the afternoon. So it's been almost almost 24 hours after Charles was shot. So she tells them via text like priorities. Are like, um, kill your husband, have a pool party, notify his family. You missed the text. Go to Burger King. Oh yeah, go to Burger King. Yeah, go to Burger King first. Host a pool party. Wait, joke with the cops. Host a pool party, and then, and then notify not not even his whole family, just his stepsons, because she didn't notify his sister no i think she like a week or something like that no so she texted the boy she so she texted his sons my understanding and she didn't tell them how they died how he died all she said was we're still waiting for the me report right they keep trying to text her she doesn't get back to them uh, Cheryl Wheeler, his ex-wife and the mother of his two boys, she finds out from the Emmy's website that Charles' death has been classified as a homicide. 
I don't think Lori was even aware that it was classified as a homicide. Um, I think she thought that they got away with self-defense because that's how they had planned it. Remember, they had been planning for months. They were using code. They were calling him Ned Schneider. And there was another name. Helos was another name that they used. Yep. A lot of references to the Book of Mormon and all those text messages which it seems that those text messages also went out to Melanie Gibb, Melanie Boudreaux, and Zulima. But that's just an assumption because a lot of that is redacted. I think it's a pretty safe assumption based off of the content and other conversations. What we, yep. Yeah. But again, we don't know yet. And the only people that have been charged, oh, the only person who has been charged is Lori because Alex is deceased. They felt there was not enough evidence to indict Chad as an accomplice. That doesn't mean it won't happen in the future. And it doesn't mean that other people won't be charged. Even though there might be a lot of evidence they have to comb through that and they have to make sure that there's a solid case, that there's no doubts before they present it, if there are other people being charged. So the next day, I mean, she's still getting all these text messages and Lori finally gets back to one of his kids and she's like, I'm still waiting, working on arrangements and sorting things out the best that I can. The third, that's the 13th, which is two days later. Uh, That's the same day that an autopsy was performed on Charles. It's the same day that Kay and Larry fly into Phoenix to meet with law enforcement. Did you say autopsy? Autopsy. Did I say oh. it kind of funny? <laughs> you did. You said autopsy. <laughs> well, my accent's coming through because it's late <laughs> at night. <laughs> Remember, I sometimes say weirds word <laughs> words weird. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'll make sure so, that I say weirds words. <laughs> oh, let's see. Then um, on the fourteenth. Adam goes home because the whole reason why he came to Phoenix was for the intervention. Lori leaves a message for one of Charles's kids asking him if he wanted to talk. Alex flies to South America. So this is all on the fort between the fort. Yeah, this is all around the 14th. Um, And I want to know how it's normal. Like if his, so if they ruled it as a homicide and he had just killed him three days prior, how he was allowed to leave the country. And it could be, it could be that they listed it as a homicide because any death by someone else, even if it's accidental, that's how they list it until they further investigate. I'm not sure what they're right, but at the same time, it's still there. only like three days later, and he leaves to go to South America. Like, right. 
but they're waiting for the autopsy results. They didn't have that. So they didn't know how Charles was shot. They didn't know that, you know, CPR wasn't performed. They didn't know that he was shot while he was still laying on the floor. They didn't know any of that stuff. And I think that the reason why, and it's been assumed that the reason Alex went to Columbia was that it was part of his routine because he had been there before. So he was acting routinely and it could have been that he would had planned this ahead of time as maybe a getaway plan in case they did decide to file charges. Right. Charles Vallow's son, Cole, and his mom, Cheryl, they fly to Phoenix to also meet with law enforcement. So it didn't end with like Lori and Alex the and Tylee at the police department. They're interviewing other people now. And remember back in January of 2019, Charles had told law enforcement, she's threatening to kill me. She's mentally unstable. But there was nothing mm-hmm. that they, there was nothing they could do because there was no evidence that she was planning something at the time. And there was no, um, there'd been no physical attempts. Plus she passed the mental health exam in January of 2019. What people don't understand is you can't just arrest people because you think something's going to happen. There has to be an actual reason. And I know that law enforcement down there in Chandler is getting a lot of hate because, oh, why didn't you arrest Lori? Well, because you can't. We all still have rights. It's just whether you like it or not. Yep. Yep. It wasn't a. Have you never said that you wanted to kill your brother or your sister or kill your dog or kill your kid? You know, it doesn't mean that we mean it, right? ridiculous i would never say such a thing (laughs) (laughs) there's not a parent alive who hasn't said it in anger i'm just throwing no intent right just but well it's like with the gabby petito case right law enforcement in moab did what they were supposed to do they went according to protocol wrong decision but they went according to what they've been told to do trained to do taught to do Uh, Lori apparently told Melanie Gibb on the 15th so this is four days later that Charles had been shot Lori had also told the school that he had committed suicide some people she had told that he had had a heart attack Lori and Colby fly to Houston and return a day later. And Ian, uh, Ian Pulowski, who will eventually marry Melanie, who's part of this group, um, divorces his wife on the 16th. So the plot, Melanie Boudreau, there's two Melanie. Yes. Oh yes. Melanie Boudreau. She marries Ian Pulowski, who was also part of this group. He's going to marry Melanie Boudreau. Ian's going to marry Melanie Boudreau in November. Melanie had just, or Melanie's husband, Brandon 
filed for divorce in June. So less than a month in between all of this, there's more weirdness. And law enforcement continues to investigate it. On the 17th, they download his phone and his cloud and his computer and all of that stuff. Charles's son, Cole, talks to detect detectives on the 18th. Um, and he collaborates case story that they'd had suspicions, they had concerns. Adam Cox has had concerns that something was going to happen. And because Adam Cox brought up his concerns that something was going to happen, his family had disown disowned him. Remember, Adam was the only one in Lori's family at the time that said something bad was going to happen and that her religious beliefs were way out there and she was going to do something he and, and she Charles was the only one in her family yeah yep. that was trying to get her help okay everyone else was like oh that's just her personality it's fun and then i believe on the 18th and this is recorded you can find it online lori calls the insurance company and if you remember back in February, mm -hmm. Charles had called the insurance company. It was after Lori had taken all of his stuff, locked him out of the house, took his vehicle. He had to have law enforcement break in. That's when he told them that she was off her rocker and she had threatened to kill him. He had decided to change his million dollar life insurance policy so that his sister Kay was the beneficiary. And, but he didn't tell Lori that. And remember, they got back together for a little bit after that. He didn't change it back. So this whole time, Lori thought that she was the beneficiary of this million dollar policy. And it's popular belief that the main <clears throat> motive of this case was the money. So Lori calls the insurance company and they seem a little confused, but they humor her and they're like, oh yeah, we'll, we'll uh, get in touch. And that's, and then she finds out that it had been changed. And she tells Chad via text, which in some of those texts, you can piece together after reading them that this was planned. Remember, they'd been planning these deaths at least since October of 2018, according to a lot of the evidence. On the 18th of July, Melanie sends an email out to her followers that they're going to meet at Lori's house, the same house where Charles had died a week earlier. Ew. No, thank and you. And she was going to be there with David Warwick. Um, at the time, Chad also sends Lori a message showing trust levels of those that she needed to be aware of. 
So it's no longer light and air. It's still light and dark scale, but then people that um, she can trust. And her dad is listed as an eight. Her Adam brother is Adam is listed as a zero. <laughs> Melanie Gibb is listed as a 97. Zulima a 96. Alex is listed at 94. Melanie Boudreaux. 85 her sister summer is a 40 i don't even see her mom listed on here or even her son little odd on the 20th of july lori buys a ticket for chad to come to arizona and on the 22nd that's when lori told jj's school that charles had committed suicide i thought it was earlier Mm -hmm. JJ had a service dog and I'm not sure the timeline on this because I'm seeing different things but Charles had gotten JJ a service dog these do dogs are extremely expensive because they involve a lot of training and the agreement is if you can no longer keep the dog you give them back Lori tried to sell the dog Bailey and I'm not sure if she was caught trying to sell him or what, but in the end, she, she returns him on, or she called the trainer on the 22nd and told them to um, come pick up the dog that they, they couldn't take it, take the dog, keep the dog anymore. On the 23rd, Lori tells Kay that JJ won't be going to Louisiana for his father's funeral. And I'm not sure what date Chad calls the funeral home. There is a recording of Chad giving false information to a funeral home. And they're trying to find out the cost of, of a cremation and the cost of sending their cremains to Louisiana. I'm not sure if it was I, I'm pretty sure it's after Charles's death. I can't find it off the top of my head. I just remembered that. I will look that up and let you know next week on Wednesday for our next episode. It's not fishy at all to just call and be like, oh, by the way, can no. you just cremate this dude? Like, just have him be done with. Thanks. Appreciate it. Well, it was weird because Chad gave them like a false name. He, it, it was one of the weirdest phone calls ever. And you can tell that it's Chad. His voice is very distinct. So I'm not sure when that phone call was. Do you want to Google that while I get through the rest of, the, of this? Sure. All right. Um. Lori goes to California with her brother Alex and Melanie on the 29th through the 31st. And then on the 30th, and this message I will bring up, this text message, and I'm not it was sure just hours. Was, it was just was hours it? after Charles was killed. No, no. Oh, there you go. So that's when the phone call was. Yeah, he called okay. and Same spelled day. his name is Chad Dabal, D-A-B-A-L. 
Interesting. Yeah, just before so it wasn't before. on July 11th. Oh, same day. So he died between um, 8.30 to 9.30 in the morning. Yep, so about 12 hours earlier is when he was shot. I wonder if she had a list. And I'm not trying to be assholey, but I wonder if, like, she had a list for that day, like, kill Charles, check, go to Burger King, check, pool party, check, uh, tell Chad, check bogus phone call to the to the funeral home check like how do you even keep track of all the lies and all of right. obviously she didn't because she told multiple people multiple stories about his death I don't even think she could keep them all straight I don't know all right July 30th this text is extremely important from Chad to Lori and it says, yes, we might need to release a little steam when we talk. Flame emoji. Ew, flame emoji. I didn't bring up the loin fire yet. Oh, God. I don't even know if I, I want to bring about that up. that. Yes. I don't want. Yeah, Let's... he sent. Yeah, we'll get to that later. Anyway, this is the chart that checks. It's creepy that it was mortal. There's more stuff like. If you really want to read it, you can. It's just, oh, no, thanks. All right. Um, oh, so the next part of the text is, anyway, this is the chart that checks what percentage mortals are still in their body. It worked for my friend's wife who died, my neighbor, George Bush. Stanley, etc. I kind of forgot about it because we've been dealing with zombie zombies and demonic entities. But this afternoon, Tammy said she felt lightheaded as if her body and spirit weren't connected. So yeah, because you know, every time I feel lightheaded, that's what I think is going on. That you're gonna die. So Chad told people that Tammy was going to die, that she's gonna get sick and die. Uh, he first started telling people that I believe in July, um, but it didn't happen until October. So, and again, he's being charged with her murder. So I don't know, but conspiracy theories here I guess I'll bring up this conspiracy theory so in this text message he basically says he knows the percentage percentage of mortality left in these people like what percentage of life they have left if you will and Annie's note on her timeline is I wonder if Chad's reference is to a neighbor and a friend's wife that indicate that he possibly murdered before. They some of the weird stuff that's going around on the internet is he may have murdered other people before. It is hearsay. Nothing has ever been proven. It, no one has ever said that they suspected him of other murders, but there is some really there's weird stuff. But he was very delusional. A lot of the stuff that he brings up is kind of crazy insane. 
Well, even if he did, I mean, he's got, he had the perfect job to be able to hide the body. You know, he was already a grave digger. Just kill someone, bury him in one of the fresh graves that was already there. I mean, it wouldn't be unusual for him to be, you know, digging a grave. No one would question it. Mm-hmm. All right, now we're into August. What time are we, Angie? You about 15 minutes left? Um, yep, I think we got about 10, 15 minutes left. All right. Uh, towards the end of July, Lori did let Kay know that she had found out that she had been removed from Charles Vallow's million dollar life insurance policy. She was very unpleasant and extremely angry, and she said some nasty things. How dare she? I'm not sure if it was the end of July or beginning of August, but JJ's school, the Life Academy, after learning that Charles was actually shot and not the victim of suicide, as Lori had told them, they file a report with Arizona's Department of Child, Child Safety. So CFS, Child Protective Services, Child and Family Services, depending on what state you're in, that's the department that they called I don't know what you guys know about the child and family services departments, but again, people have rights. They can't just take someone's kid because someone makes an allegation. They have to actually prove that they are in danger. I worked with a lot of social workers when I lived down in New Mexico. I have a lot of um, the department that I work in now. We also work with social workers. You can't just go in and take someone's kids. And sometimes it takes a lot to determine if they are in immediate danger, currently abused and currently being neglected. Take that for, for what, for what you will. I'm sure I'm going to get backlash if, well, they just need to take them. Well, people have rights. No, there's laws for a reason. Sometimes the school situation exactly what they, what they needed done. to do they did yep. and again you can't just take people's kids away because they lied Lori didn't pull the trigger and there's no proof that he was that jj and tylee were in danger in that moment uh beginning of august the Chandler Police Department, they receive a copy of the police report from Alex's assault on Lori's third husband, Joseph Ryan. Remember, he attempted to kill Joseph Ryan with a taser, had made multiple threats, and even in his stand-up comedy routine, he said that he had tried to kill Joseph. <laughs> um, on, like I know. Genius. <laughs> something here's the thing i don't i think they were all trying to be sneaky and they thought that they were mastermind criminals but there's way too much out there there's way too much out there between all the texts and the emails and stuff like that to 
that they weren't sneaky enough and they weren't smart enough. Listen, if you listen to Chad's phone call to the crematorium or to the funeral home, like he, he lied about his last name. He omitted a letter, the bell, you know, <laughs> so yeah, it did. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just, yeah. All right. Um, on the August 5th, August 5th, JJ starts the new school year. Lori trades her, her infinity for a Nissan Rogue. Nissan Rogues are four wheel drive and you need four wheel drive if you live in Idaho. Okay, it was mid-August when Lori tried to sell JJ's service dog. And that's when the school contacted her and they're like, uh, no, you can't sell the dog. Like that's in our agreement, that's in our contract. And they went and they got the dog. August 10th was the last time that Kay Vala Woodcock would hear from JJ on FaceTime. It was 35 seconds long. And that will be the last time she will hear from him. She continues to let law enforcement know that she has concerns when she's not able to get a hold of Lori in the next couple of months. She tells law enforcement, she files reports. The problem was that Lori moves and no one knew where she was living at the time. She had told people she was moving to California. She had told people that she was moving to Hawaii. Some people didn't even know that she was moving. It's, yeah, again, keeping your story straight. With That's all so, the so much lying. And, and so much lying. But um, Kay was actively talking to law enforcement. Like she did not drop the ball. She already know she already has suspicions that there's something wrong. And law enforcement, they're continuing to talk back as well. Because they interviewed a lot of people in July and August. Here's a very important part too, is on the 14th, Lori takes a screenshot of wedding rings on Etsy. Okay, she sends a picture of those rings to Melanie Boudreaux. Why would Lori need a wedding ring if Tammy's still alive? and Charles is dead if she's in love with Chad. Why wouldn't Melanie question a picture of a wedding of wedding rings being sent to her? Keep that Didn't in mind. she just like three days earlier also text Chad and tell him to go back to his family? I think that is, that's a really quick change of heart. Like go back to your family. They need you. They love you. You know. Who said that? I, what are you talking about? Lori. 
No, she didn't. Oh, maybe I think that was just deception. Oh, I think yeah, maybe because remember how Charles had contacted Tammy and then Tammy ended up with a new phone mm. and nobody knows if she opened up that email message or not. Right. And Charles had basically told Lori that he was going to go up to Idaho and make sure that Tammy knew what was going on because it needed to stop. That's right. August 15th. This is extremely important. Lori purchases wedding rings for herself and Chad on Etsy. The artist later canceled the order and refunded the money because he didn't have time to make the ring. So she tries ordering rings and is looking at rings as early as August 14th. Lori starts moving around accounts and money. Uh, Lori orders a moving van on the 17th of August. And Lori and Melanie Gibb on the 22nd of August 2019, they come out with a the first episode of their brand new podcast, Fill the Fire, which is a spiritual podcast. And Lori is traveling from Phoenix to Idaho using a different name. She used the name Lori Ryan. One of the things that I've noticed about, and I'm not sure what the importance is, but there's a lot of Venmo Venmo uh, deposits going back and forth from Lori to Tylee's account to other accounts. And I'm not sure what the importance of that is. I'm not really going to go into that, but it seems her deposits are in her switching around money. And maybe, maybe it was to hide a money trail. I'm not sure. Here you go with that criminal mastermind again. I know. Mm-hmm. And they're sending a lot of money to Colby's account, but, and, and it could be because Kelsey had started a medical GoFundMe. I think they were having some, she was having some medical issues with her unborn baby, but don't quote me on that. And a lot of those monetary transactions, a lot of it's been redacted. So the 27th of August, Lori signs a lease at 565 Pioneer Road, sets up internet and utilities. And that was the date the apartment was taken off the market. The next day, Alex's apartment that was in Idaho is also taken off the market. Alex, what, or Alex, Lori, and Melanie Boudreaux all moved into the same apartment complex in Rexburg, all three of them. So they were all living in the same area. I don't know if I like enough people that much or enough people or that many people enough to want to live in the same 
complexes him. So she so she signs her lease on the 27th, gets the utilities set up, and then on Jul on August 30th, she stops by Colby's workplace and tells him that they're moving to Idaho the next day. Colby says he didn't ask where they were moving and didn't find out that they had moved to Rexburg until detectives came to talk to him in November. Remember, he had a lot of stuff going on with his unborn baby and his wife at the time, and that's what he was focusing on. Whoop, I think I cut out there for a minute. Nope, you didn't. Perfect. And August 30th is the last time that Colby will last speak to Kylie or Tylee over FaceTime. According to court records, Colby said that after his mother gave after that, his mother gave him excuses as to why Tylee couldn't talk to him. The dogs picked up on the 30th. And on August 31st, 2019, Lori moves with Tylee and JJ to Rexburg. Sometime in late August, because Kay couldn't get a hold of JJ, she and Larry call the school that JJ was at. And again, they're trying. They after a couple of days of not being able to talk to him, they're, they're concerned and they, they continued reaching out and trying to find out where he was and what was happening. That's love right there. Not giving up no matter what. And yeah, that's amazing. Just bulldogging it. So nobody knew or Nobody knew that they were moving to Idaho. Lori just told whoever she told, because there's a lot of people she didn't tell, that she was just moving. She didn't say it was Idaho. Law enforcement, my understanding is because Kay kept at it with law enforcement, that they were looking for... Lori and the kids and what tipped them off that they had moved to Idaho is when Lori or actually ordered the wedding rings. Let's see if I can find that. It's not here. She ordered those ring. I thought I had it right here. So August 31st, they move up to Idaho, and that's where we're going to end this. But those wedding rings were ordered on it was purchased on Amazon October 2nd, 17 days before Tammy would die. Here's your mastermind criminal stuff, Angie. Seriously. She used Charles's Amazon account <laughs> to order the rings and ship them to Rexburg. And that's how law enforcement found out where they were. Dude, that's so tacky. 
Kay was going through stuff and she's the one who noticed it and let law enforcement know. So we're at the beginning of September on Wednesday, our next episode, it's going to be when the kids were last seen until the kids were reported missing in November. So from September 1st to in 2019 through the end of November, 2019. If you have any questions, concerns, comments, please feel free to email us. Feel free to us. keep them to yourself. No, oh. <laughs> we always want to get better. I'm saying and left now and you're umming left now. I am umming but less. Yeah. We do love, we do love hearing from our listeners. Yes, we do. And you know, we are a work in progress in our <laughs> personal lives and professional lives too. <laughs> so I, I haven't podcasted with someone before, so it's a new learning experience. My other podcast, it's just me. So we barely talk over each other. Mm-hmm. We're doing so good. And we fixed our internet issues. Ooh, ooh. You know, Starlink is freaking amazing. Well, I just have, <laughs> I was going to say I have dial-up. I don't have dial-up. I have CenturyLink. <laughs> oh my gosh. It is time to go to bed. I think you need so, to go to bed. I do need to go to bed. So we will see you guys next Wednesday. Don't forget to listen to our dailies, follow us on social media, and don't forget to rate, subscribe, follow, all of that fun stuff. And Angie and I are working on a project. So hopefully we'll have some news on that for you on Wednesday. Alrighty, have a good one. Bye.